Let's bring in Kevin O'Leary, the chairman of O'Shares ETS, and of course from the stars on ABC's Shark Tank. Kevin, let's get straight into it. The Nasdaq is down. The Fed seems to be on hold, and we got the most expensive tech stocks that we've ever had this cycle. Are we past the top? No, not at all. I mean, this is the pause that refreshes, really. You know, people say, oh, Apple's down 20% from its high, but it's up 100% from the March lows. As so goes the index. I think, you know, what the market's trying to figure out now, particularly on tech, is does, does the, the cycle continue in the stay-at-home stocks and the digitization stocks? And I'll give you an example. Look at a DocuSign. DocuSign has forever changed the process of signing documents, storing documents, and they have global nexuses. So if you're doing business in Ireland or you're doing business in Switzerland or Canada, you have your documents stored there. They've been able to add that to their platform. Now that's unlikely to change whether people go back to work or not. Okay. Now a Zoom, for example, maybe that does change a little bit when the offices get filled again. But here's the question the market's trying to divine right now. At what point do you find out how many people are never returning? Is it 5%, is it 10%, is it 20%? Mm. What is it? And right now in my portfolio companies, we're sort of working on a 12% no return in the areas of compliance, accounting, and logistics. Mm. We're gonna save about 12% also on our office space, and we think 3% more cash flow. Market sees it too, that's why tech stocks remain buoyant from their lows. So Kevin, that 12%, does that number then influence what we should think about in terms of how big the market is for some of these companies? Because one of the key questions that it seems right now is, do companies like Zoom and DocuSign have ever again as big of a growth quarter as they had in terms of like quarterly rate of change or yearly rate of change? I think they do, and I'll tell you why. Let's just take a snapshot. You get a lot of evidence from today's Nike earnings. Nike earnings are really intriguing. Store sales, retail store sales down. Online direct to customer, now at 33 and a third percent of sales. Full 100% margins. There's a whole digital pivot going on here. You could argue, let's take Apple again as a great example, or Nike for that matter. If you closed every single store globally, would in any way in Apple's situation change the sales of iPhones? No, I'd argue, it doesn't. The brand is already connected with customers. Even when you buy an Apple phone in a store, it's done online. In fact, these retail locations are actually cost centers for large brands like Nike and Apple. And I think that digital pivot that's occurring, Nike's goal is to get to 50% sales direct to customers. They're probably gonna get that done by the end of next year. And all the companies that empower that, the DocuSigns, the Zooms, the JD.coms, all of the Shopify platforms, all of that stuff, continues to grow. And I'm mm. amazed to say this, but in my own portfolio, an index that I had a hand in making, so I'm talking my own book, OGIG, which is full of over 70 of these companies, just internet giants, it's now for me a defensive trade. It actually sometimes outperforms the behemoths, certainly beating the energy sector, for example, in the S&P. So the world realizes this giant digital pivot's occurring, and I think not to have exposure to these names going forward is a mistake. So Kevin, the pivot overall has been happening for some time. It's been accelerated now because of this event though, but isn't that what's important to markets, that rate of change where we saw Amazon continue to grow into a behemoth over two decades, yet it took a while for it to get back to the price that it was dot-com like many of the other dot-coms did. Isn't there a valuation case and a narrative and a story behind these 
quarantine stocks that have, to your point, become protection that then if we get back to real life, why would anybody ever pay as much for that growth potential? Well, let's think about that whole idea of the quarantine. Let's assume a vaccine shows up tomorrow morning and half the country gets inoculated in 48 hours. And I know that's not gonna happen, but we're hoping that'll happen over the next year. But let's just take the constituency of people, elderly people, a very large, broad swath of people are going into the 60s, 70s and 80s in the US. In, and I'd argue like in, in the 70s and 80s, never used their phones to buy anything digitally until they were forced to do so during a quarantine period, particularly on essentials like grocery. In my own building in Miami, where I was quarantined in South Beach, we had to hire six more people just to process orders coming in for people that were in their 60s and 70s and 80s that had just learned how to use their phones. That genie's out of the bottle. That constituency is going to stay digital going forward. That's a brand new group of people that are now sure. in the digital era that weren't just five months ago. So I think the yeah. growth continues in the Amazons and all the other digital empowerment companies that have been so powerful in terms of their moves and the values of their companies, it really is a have and a have not market. If you can help a company go digital and go direct to customers, mm -hmm. you're very valuable and will continue to be from years ahead. I think we're only in the third inning of this digitization. I think eventually lots of retail locations and certainly office space will be closed because mm. it's not necessary for the new digital America 2.0. So I'm with you on that. And I think disputing that is a little bit of a moot point, right? We know that these things are gonna continue to grow. It's the way we live now, but that's only half of the stock equation, right? Every stock, you got earnings and then you got the valuation and that's your stock price. For the valuation, Kevin, the growth rate, as we know, important. You might argue the growth rate can maintain. But what about the other impact, which is interest rates, the Fed, an unprecedented amount of stimulus that's been pumped into the market? Because most of the bulls I have out here on the show, Kevin, actually the case you make is like the last one they make. The first one they make is rates are at 67 bips on the 10-year. Of course I'm going to buy tech. But it seems like Jay Powell's on hold. So is that going to be good bad neutral for these stocks well not just tech i mean you know valuation discussion has been going on for 10 years on names like amazon if you had kept valuation in forefront you would have never bought True. the stock but the fed was constantly going down then now it seems like jay powell's on cruise control he's been going down for 10 yes. years rates totally but think about it this way Let's say you're an institution, let CalPERS, and you have a mandate to make 7% this year and 7% next year distributable. Your mandate used to be, I'll go 50% fixed income, 50% equity. You can't do that anymore. With all fixed income products, including triple B investment grade, corporate debt, bank loans, even PREF shares, it doesn't matter. You can't make 7%. So who's ever managing those mandates at institutions like CalPERS and the Saudis and UAE and the hedge funds in Zurich and all that stuff, the only game in town is to find a good S&P company or a large corporation on a foreign platform that's giving you a 2.8% distribution in dividends and hope for the remainder in growth on the equity valuation. Sure. Which is why I think for the next few years, equity is the place to be, even if you have to hold your nose on valuation. But a lot of these companies that we're talking about here, some of these big quarantine plays, Zoom, Peloton, Docu, there's no dividends there. They're not dividend hideouts. I mean, these are big momentum growth plays. So if uh, Jay Powell says, hey, we're good for the moment, what's the role of interest rates gonna be here? What's the positive 
macro catalyst from the central bank. Do you think there's more on the way, Kev? Are we going to go negative interest rates? Are we going to get another no, big I don't shock? Think more, I, don't, I don't think there's more. I don't think Powell wants negative interest rates, but I also don't think there's going to be another PPP program. That's going to be stalled in this very divisive political environment we have. But also, I don't think we need one. You know, somebody was pitching me today on buying airline stocks, and I said, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to have, you know, airline uh, bailouts anymore because, frankly, we don't need as many airlines. I think we should let them go through the bankruptcy reorganization because business travel, my own poll of over 50 private companies for next year's budgets, which we were working on last week, for business travel, we're down 24%. We're not planning to fly anywhere because yeah. we don't need to. We've used all the technology we, we've been forced to use for the last six months. So why would I want to bail out an airline? That's just one sector we're talking about. Why would I want to bail out a movie chain? I want to watch the next James Bond movie on my own screen. I don't want to go to some place where I have to sit beside a snot-nosed kid and catch COVID. Forget that. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, a lot of this is fundamental change that's embedded in the economy, and it's going to be a good thing. What should a movie theater be? A pick-and-pack, climate-controlled storage robotic facility for Amazon or another retailer that can deliver within four hours to the constituency around it. Why do we need all those airlines? We don't. Yeah. If you let the bankruptcy thing happen, you're going to get the better managers running the reduced airline platform. I'll make a comment about airlines. I ran into a CEO on the street yesterday of one of the airlines, won't say which one, and he said to me, Fundamentally, demand is down. There is none. And we are basically beeped. And, you know, <laughs> he's just telling the truth. I couldn't tell if we were beeping that or not. Kevin, I want to press you on this, though, because I've heard you criticize some of the bailout actions, some of the government stimulus prior. There's a lot of folks, though, who will watch it. They know you. They know you're rich. You're real rich and that you're an investor who likes to buy things when they're broken. One could argue you're quarantining in South Beach. You're paying 200 bucks a haircut from what I read. Kevin, you don't even have any hair. It looks like you're ready to buy what gets broken. Why should we let things get broken so you could buy it? Because you're funding zombie companies. If you don't let the market be the market, you're basically taking good money and putting it in a bad place. And I go back to the airlines as an example. Why would you want to keep an airline that has no chance for the next three to seven years of ever being profitable? Why do you want to keep it alive? Why don't you take it behind the barn and shoot it so that it can be actually done in the right way to make the economy more efficient? And that's, by the way, 25% of my companies where I'm an investor are going to zero. They're in the travel industry, the wedding industry, the entertainment mm -hmm. industry, the food services industries. They are going to zero. There's nothing the government can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. I hate it when I lose money. But the consumer behavior has changed fundamentally. It's not coming back. And as a result, they are zero candidates. Do I want the government taking my tax dollars, those are my dollars, and giving them to zombie companies? No. I get a lot of criticism of this position. But listen, this is capitalism. Take a deep breath, get over it. This is how it works. And at the end of the day, we'll have a stronger, better economy by culling the herd from the weak, dead companies. They're dead. There's nothing you can do to bring them back, nothing. Are we not seeing that at least some of these efforts are working stocks back at highs, 
personal incomes are actually higher than they were pre-COVID, which is a separate conversation. Uh, but are we not seeing that at least, though, that stopgap measure was better than the alternative of letting everything collapse? I mean, life's pretty good right now, all things considered. Maybe it would be even worse if we let more places die and people lose their jobs and then, what, be forced to go work in quarantine or in COVID times? I have no problem supporting the employees as the economy makes its digital pivot. I just don't want to support the businesses. When I listen today to the head of the airline industry talk about employees that work on aircraft, okay, men and women that serve others that are on aircraft, begging the government to give them money to keep their jobs, I'd rather give those people support to go find jobs in real companies that aren't zombies as opposed to keeping the whole airline in business. That seems stupid to me. I'd rather support people, not zombie companies. So I'm totally okay with extending unemployment benefits at $400. That makes sense to me, so I don't have to compete with people that I'm trying to get back to work. Mm. But keeping companies alive that are dead, walking around, no, no, no. Take them behind the barn and shoot them. It's the merciful thing to do. Uh, hey, I went over over time, Kevin. One more thing real quickly on the NASDAQ. I know you have a strong bullish fundamental view, but as a market watcher, is there a certain degree of decline or anything technical that makes you say, you know what, maybe this was as good as it got? No, I, you know, these days the declines, the, the drawdowns are much more volatile, they're faster, and you can go as much as 35, 38%, but it doesn't, doesn't change the fundamental bull aspect. I haven't found anybody that can time the market, so I stay long. And in opportunities like this, I have to admit, I've been buying some more. And so, you know, I'm not telling anybody that I know when things go up and down, I don't. But I know fundamentally, because I have my own index of private companies that give me their tear sheets each week, and 75% of my companies are actually ahead of forecast on free cash flow because they've converted so much of their sales direct to customer now. Sales are down, but free cash flows are up. Yippee, I, okay, that's 75% of them. Now, I know the other 25% are going to zero, and I'm really upset about that. But I love the fact that 75% that are in gym equipment, for example, or cleaning fluids or anything to do with stay at home, so many of them just killing it. Even my greeting card company that sells greeting cards, like greeting cards, think about that, way ahead of forecast. Kevin, always a good conversation. Appreciate the spirit here on a very fun day for the market. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Take care. Mr. O'Leary is the chairman at OShares ETFs.